Well, hey, welcome back to the Making Disciples Everyday Podcast. This is our first episode of at least, well, I guess technically we've had another episode Maybe at this point. Episode, yeah, first live. That's yeah. right. First, uh, first live recorded. That's kind of how things are today. It's live and recorded, right? But first face to face with me and Paul, and and a chance to look ahead and be excited about what's going on. From a disciple making standpoint, this year in 2020, and so happy New Year to the listeners, and we are excited and thankful uh, that you're with us, and thankful about for what we are hoping this year. And so, just as an intro, uh, if you're new to listening to this, we typically follow along. Well, we are a part of the Making Disciples Network of podcasts that are connected to the Brentwood Baptist family of churches in Middle Tennessee. And so we are a ch- one church family with multiple uh, neighborhood churches um, out in the communities across Middle Tennessee, and those are led by actual people, not just video venues and uh, and folks that really love and engage in the community, and we're thankful for that. And so our our heart, our mission is engaging the whole person with the whole gospel anywhere, anytime, with anybody. Mm-hmm. And we really want to see disciples making disciples. We talk about yeah. two other aspects of that, gospel conversations and healthy congregations, but the heartbeat of it all that really makes both of those other two things go is this mindset of we get to make disciples with Jesus. And so that's the heart of this podcast is we want to encourage folks who want to be making disciples in the everyday of their lives with Jesus. And and so our goal is if you are a follower of Jesus, we want to give you more confidence in that, to do that with Jesus, to be able to love and encourage the folks that are in your pathways every day. Some of them are going to welcome you into their life. Mm-hmm. Some of them may not be believers yet. Some of them may already be believers of Jesus. Um, but basically, of those that welcome you into your into their life, and we do hope it's at least one every twelve to eighteen months that you really engage with. We we uh, we think that it's not to that's not to make the bar low. It's more to let you know what we think is realistic, right? Yeah, like, a, that's right. I mean, even Jesus and some scholars argue with this, but. And from a rabbinical standpoint, he he more than anything focused on three, mm-hmm. and those three helped him focus on nine others, and that yeah. was a, more of a rabbinical model, and for the rabbis of that day. And so, um, so if the Son of God focused on three yeah. over a period of time, the way that he did, uh, we're just encouraging folks to pray for one. And, yeah, and I think that's the key is prayer. I mean, it's a, even if you're hesitant to actually invite someone into your life or you don't know who it is, just begin praying. Even uh, like Jason will say anonymously, you might not even know who the person is. They might not be on your radar yet. Hopefully they are already in your sphere of influence, but maybe you don't even know them yet. But begin praying even anonymously for this person. And and I saw it work uh, just here recently with a guy I've been discipling uh, and encouraging. He's one of our teachers here at the Brentwood campus, a Bible teacher. And I'm uh, encouraging him, sort of Paul to Timothy, you know, find that third generation guy that's going to teach after you, train after you. And he didn't know who it was and began praying uh, for who it to be, began thinking of a certain guy. The Lord brought it to mind as he prayed. Uh, maybe this guy might be the one. Uh, and then sure enough, early this year, just um, not not too long ago, 
this guy calls my friend out of the blue mm. to ask him a, a Bible question. Wow. And so my friend didn't even have to extend the invitation. <laughs> the Holy Spirit convicted that man to call uh, my friend. Uh, and then my friend just said, hey, while I have you on the phone here, would you like to start getting together regularly and, yeah. and learning and and learning from each other, Yeah, uh, which is the way true discipleship works. That's right. Uh, and the guy was all for it. And they've got it set up and, you know, they got their their routine and their flow. So even if you don't know the person, just start and the Lord will be faithful to it. It's so good. So good. And, I, and that's it's way easier than you think. It is way easier than you think. And I think even for Jesus, again, just trying to encourage you as you read his story in the scriptures, you see a similar thing. Yeah. I mean, he's constantly in prayer with the Father. He's constantly loving the people around him. And certain people welcome him or yeah. engage with him That's or right. ask questions of him. And, you know, and, and so he's able to engage with them in that way. And so our encouragement to you is, and our goal, really, our prayer for you as listeners this year is that you would invite along one. Um, that you would invite along one. You might say, well, what do we invite them along to do? Well, to put it in simple terms, invite them along with you to learn the gospel of Jesus and what it means in your life. Invite them along with you and even into the groups of believers that you walk with and that you do life with. Invite them along with you to go and serve locally and maybe even globally if you do that. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, and invite them along with you in a more simple terms to just simply serve, eat, and abide. I mean, think mm-hmm. think in the idea of if I'm serving and I obviously eat regular meals, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you're probably hopefully abiding in with him and abiding in his word. And don't be afraid for, for those who welcome you into your life to invite them along with you to do those things. Those are the simple things that Jesus did with the men that he invited along mm-hmm. and taught them the kingdom, learn the kingdom. So what with, do you mean by abide there when you say abide? Yeah. Uh, unpack that. Good question. Biblical so, term. It's not a very common term in the yeah, it's not a common American term, Western parlance. But Jesus used it a lot, and, and, and especially in John, we see it, it highlighted in John 15. And the word abide, I mean, basically it means to take up residence with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so imagine your daily life. So the psalmist, David, says in Psalm 73 that God's presence is our good. Imagine your daily life just in, in the presence of Jesus. Imagine walking with him. So you don't, you don't, you don't go to something. You're sent with him in something. You, you don't just drive home and go home that at night. You understand more of a, I'm with Jesus as I'm a husband or a dad or as I'm, hanging with the folks that are my neighbors in my community. And so yes. I'm, I'm abiding with Jesus in the so presence the idea of that Christ our faith at all times. One box or category of our life. Here's work, here's school, here's family, and here's faith box. But that our faith is all of our life. All of that. And then, and then there are more specific times. You see it in Jesus's life too. He abided with the Father, but then there were times, the scriptures tell us, when that abiding took more of a very personal and intimate moment. And so that's another part of abiding is that you you have consistent times where you go and stop and be with the Father. You go and pray. You go and read the scriptures. You abide in his word. Or you may even take Sabbath. You may take a chance to rest. You may go out like our family did recently and walked the narrows of the Harpeth, uh, which is kind of a ridge out in the Kingston Springs mm. Pegram area. 
Um, by my house, you didn't yeah. come by. What, <laughs> I should have said hi. I should have said hi. And uh, you know, and and we walked out there, and we've got even little kids. It's not like yeah. it's the safest thing with a four year old hanging with us, but it was beautiful. Yeah. And that was a Sabbath moment for us just to walk out there in the, in nature and to to play together as a family, to pray together as a family, to 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 be together in that way. And and so there's different ways that abiding can show itself. It's a consistent everyday life with Jesus that has those moments of personal time in the Word and even Sabbath time. And you can invite people into those things. Yeah. Jesus did. And that's that's the part of abiding that we um, sometimes miss out on because we don't use that word a lot. But Jesus took In fact, he even said it about himself, or John does in John 1, when he says that the Word took on flesh and dwelt among us. That's an abiding metaphor. It's the idea that he even decided to come and abide with us and invites us to abide with him. So that's our goal for you this year, man, is is all you listeners out there is pray that God would allow you to invite along just one. And we hope that it's one who's yet to believe, one who's not a follower yet, that you love well and that welcomes you into their life. And start with who's around. That's right. That's right. And so you never know who's going to welcome relationship and opportunity to learn the kingdom of God with you. And, and, and so look for that. But that prayer, like Paul said, that's the first step of, you know, are you being prayerful just in your everyday life and, and then being sensitive to how God's spirit would lead you um, as you engage with others? And that abide discussion is a great segue. What we're going to do, the format is going to be some exposition. We're going to spend probably a first third roughly on exposition and then talk about what that looks like in the everyday mm-hmm. of disciple making and then spend the final section on some equipping. Yeah. Uh, maybe like one major takeaway tool for uh, applying this in your life for the next week. And our text just happens to be Psalm 23. So as uh, Jason's talking about abiding, there may be no powerful Old Testament text, Hebrew scripture text, about abiding then, uh, yeah. then Psalm 23. That's right. So I'm going to read that for us since there's only three verses. Good. And then let's unpack real quick maybe some of the key themes good. therein. And Paul's going to read Psalm 23 uh, to us I'll here. No, you're good. Paul's going to read Psalm 23 to us here. And, and it's the... Basically, it's the foundational text for the three-week series that's going on across our campuses from January uh, 12th through the 26th, mm-hmm. and uh, those three Sundays. And And the name of the series is Restoring the Soul. Restoring the Soul. And the intent of it, and, and Paul can unpack this more, but th- the basic intent, and then I'll let him jump into Psalm 23, is to just challenge us as sheep who are fragile and who can't be fickle and who can wander. We're called sheep in the scriptures uh, that we that we get crippled sometimes by our wanderings and our fragility and our anxiety. And so how do we walk through the dark valleys of fear, anxiety, loneliness and depression and keep looking to Jesus, who is our shepherd? So that's kind of the idea and the heart behind this. That's right. That's right. So our uh, campus pastors have chosen to read this out of the New King James Version in hopes that it'll stick, that it's something that uh, we'll take with us and the Holy Spirit will use in conviction. So Psalm 23, 1 through 3 was our text for this week. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So what's the first thing that jumps out at you? Well, 
uh, the the first thing that really jumps out is just the idea as you were reading it the first thing that stuck out to me was the for his name's sake mm. and you know i i think i think the reason that does is because a lot of our anxiety comes from not even understanding our identity mm-hmm. and and when we understand that that we are we have a shepherd who is and he is with us and in, and he is walking with us and more than that isn't looking for us to set a right path mm-hmm. and then he's going to come join us in that he's actually has already set a right path mm-hmm. and is inviting us to join him in that and and so the idea of of seeing our identity as completely framed and wrapped up in his identity which is what in the hebrew text the for his name's sake idea yeah. is very much a very holistic um, identity kind of notion. It's the it's the thought of this is who we are. This is who I am. We are for his namesake. Yeah. And and so that's the first thing that jumped out. Yeah. And it's interesting just to read, if you just do the first part of verse one and the end of verse three, the Lord is my shepherd for his namesake. And in a way, that's for our benefit. Yeah, that's right. Because we get to be the sheep in the kingdom of God who don't want because we're fully provided for by the uh, maximally perfect Lord of the universe. Yeah. So in fulfilling his name's sake through our worship and through our uh, relationship and walking with with him, um, you know, his name is glorified and we're, as, as John Piper would say, utterly satisfied in that. Mm. Yeah. Not wanting. I'll say one more thing. Another thing that jumps out to me there is I shall not want. I mean, I, yeah. I we have such gifted communicators on all of our campuses, and I'm thankful for every one of them. And and you know they they are they're challenging us through this series. I mm-hmm. think to really even examine what is it that we want. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. and and because I think it's the what we want and what we don't have and mm-hmm. the what we don't want, but what maybe we really need yeah. that's linked to the anxiety that we feel. And, uh, and so definitely an expo- an, an exposing yeah. of that as we process that. Well, it's radically countercultural to, to be sure. And you talk about abiding and Sabbathing and your walk by the river with the family. And I mean, in light of verse two, what we need is to be lying down in green pastures, yeah. <laughs> but that's rarely what we're actually wanting. That's what right. we're wanting is the next thing. Can we, can we overcome the next task and, and move to the next level and conquer the next mountain, uh, so to speak? And that's really not the appropriate desire. No, my no, and my my dad's been to Israel uh, a lot. I think it's like thirty three times. He's he's there right now, even, mm. and um, he teaches a lot over there. And and he got the chance on two different occasions to spend time with some shepherds there. And um, I think what was so special was in the conversation that he had with them, he, he talked about not only the John 10 passage, which we all typically think of when we think of the shepherd metaphor, but even this idea of um, this idea about, uh, about really understanding what not wanting something else as a sheep might be. You know, I think the shepherds kind of pointed out to him that what, what they do is they speak the sheep respond and it's in the security of that interaction mm-hmm. that they stay where they are and and they don't move again <laughs> as long as they're silent. Mm-hmm. So if, if silence is there, like how sometimes we'll say God is silent, why is he yeah. silent? You know, well, 
the shepherds were saying to dad, well, when we're silent, the sheep just know I'm, I'm in the right field yeah. and I, sh- I got all I yeah, need. It's not absence. Yeah. I have all I need. Like I'm, you know, you, you put me into a green pasture that supplied the things that I needed. And, um, I think that causes anxiety, right? Like when we really don't trust and we question, well, why is this all I have? Just, just the, I just had, I just have green grass, right? Like, I mean, I just have, you know, and, and man, if you looked at our backyard, every time our dog goes out back <laughs> and has to come back in, especially when it's been raining, I would long for green grass in the back. I'll tell you that, but yep. <laughs> we have to wipe, wipe her paws off all the time. But, but, um, I mean, you know, but you, you get what I'm saying. I think it's a matter of, we he he gives us what we need as it yeah. seems like is what the psalmist is saying that's right and and not only what we need but an abundance of it that's right like you get to rest in the green pasture mm-hmm. and you yeah. can eat your fill and you can hang here why would you want to wander elsewhere or why would you long that's the idea for yeah. other for other pastures and, and what we need most is god in that relationship with the lord and uh you know, I'm passionate about theology, so I'm all about teaching new theo- theological terms. But this idea of sufficiency pops up. Who's the one that's sufficient, us or the Lord? Yeah. And the theological term is aseity. In Latin, ase means from itself. Hmm. So it's the idea that God is that one being who is independent of himself, by himself, dependent on no other thing. We, on the contrary, as creatures, are radically uh, dependent, not self-sufficient, totally fragile. I could sure. drop dead and in two seconds or messing with this microphone, shock myself to death. <laughs> it was so fragile. Uh, and when we have the appropriate trust, because you also talk about security in addition to identity a lot, mm. you know, identity, security, purpose. Yeah. When our security is also in the um, the omniscient one, the ase one, that mm. is to say the Lord, then anxiety um, can be endured. Not yeah. to say we always necessarily overcome it or rid it, but we can we can endure it. Well, and I love that you said that because I think Security, again, is all about God's presence, you know, our understanding our identity and his presence with us. And that's the heart of this psalm. That's the heart of dealing with our anxiety, you know, because if you're listening out there and struggle with anxiety, you, I think, would agree with what I'm about to say, that anxiety doesn't allow you to be present. Not only does it not allow me to be present, it doesn't allow me to notice the ones who are present with me. And that includes God. And I, I think I think that dynamic then affects the green pastures that maybe he's led us into. We don't even notice the green pastures. We don't we aren't grateful for them. We don't right. take them in and say, This must be what I need right now. That's just hard. Like, can mm-hmm. I be honest and say, like, I know in my life it there are times when I go Okay, I didn't. I didn't want this, God. I didn't yeah. sign up for it. I right. didn't, you know. And I and and so many times, my wife's such an incredible encourager and 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 reminder to me. Um, but this is what we must need right now. She has mm. such a beautiful faith, and you know. And I'm typically the skeptic, and she's mm. able to say, you know, this. But this must. This is what we need right now. Mm. Let's sit in that, yeah. right? And I think that's the thing that helps us most with anxiety is to be able to sit in what we are in and have right now. So when that anxiety is pursuing us, how have you seen it limit your disciple making in the everyday? Oh man, that's a good question. I mean, I, I know, um, but you know, real life example, I mean, my mom and dad were hurt in 2009 in an accident that ended up taking my mom. And, um, 
they were walking after dinner one night and got hit by a car. And, uh, and, and I know, obviously, that's a more tragic example. But I can tell you, man, so much of my disciple-making relationships almost shut down for a good two years. And mm-hmm. I think some of it was the sadness and the grief. Some of it was the fact that it, it, mom didn't pass for a good, for almost four and a half months after the accident. Yeah. And so some of the dealing with some of her coma stuff and then some of the brain injury elements of it. And, and we thought she was going to make it. And so even the, the things that come with that, and I think we all kind of hit this moment where we kept trying to take a breath, but we're struggling to deal with the grief. And I think even the anxiety that that caused and, yeah. and so much of what we were doing and engaging with folks, it almost hit pause. And so I use kind of that more exaggerated example to then pull back and say, but even in the minor anxieties of the everyday, we often never notice the people that are welcoming us yeah. in that are saying, I want I, I want green pastures, right? Like, yeah. I, I mean, they may not be literally saying I want green pastures, but right. in essence, in their life, something's crying out in their heart and soul and they're welcoming, they're seeing something in us and welcoming us. And so when that anxiety is overcoming yeah. us and overwhelming us, we often don't look like someone who has those green pastures. And then they who are longing for those green pastures may not uh, be as attentive. And so it really can affect yeah. How you engage. For sure. Well, two understandings of anxiety that came out of our our preaching team meeting this week was one is just the term and the idea seems to be something like to be divided within oneself Hmm. or to have your own mind working against you, to have your mind working against itself. And then a more physiological definition from our Ken Core congregational care pastor for our family of churches is that we have this physiological, essentially fear response to something that's imagined, undefined, or in the future. So it's not present yet, yeah. uh, per se. And I think both of those lead me to this idea of a loss of focus. Hmm. And so I find that when anxiety creeps into my life and and I embrace that, uh, that I lose focus on those people like you. That's why I like you don't notice things. Yeah. Because once you lose focus on our purpose as kingdom people of making disciples, you quit looking for them. And you quit looking for people to invest in and you quit being in that unceasing prayer you always talk about of of where God's uh, at work in your life. And then with that lack of focus, I usually turn inward and focus on me and myself. And then it just sort of brings everything to a a screeching halt. Yes. Uh, So definitely as anxiety creeps in, it just it it really destroys our focus on who we are as kingdom people. We lose that security aspect. That's right. That's right. And re- read the verses one more time before we shift into more, although we're very much right now talking about the everyday of this, but read those verses one more time because there's one other thing that you that was mentioned in there that I think hits right with what you just yeah. said. Yeah. Yeah. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When you think about, think about the difference. So this may be a different kind of anxiety, but I think sometimes people in in Southern religious cultures deal with spiritual anxieties. Sure. You know, you think about the idea of him restoring my soul. You think about the idea of um, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. Right. Right. Like, Think about being able to give up 
you know, and, and so like you said earlier, you lose focus, right? Yeah. Well, we don't think about it very often. We don't think sometimes about the living for God, living for self. Most people in Southern religious culture can quickly dismiss and say, I know I shouldn't do that. Yes. Right. You know, the living for God element though, versus living with God, the two dynamics that I think are, are different from one another. I think sometimes we think a focus on living for God is right, but it actually, I, I would suggest takes us our focus off of what we're being invited into, that the Lord is our shepherd and has invited us to walk and, and exist in his presence and with, with him. Mm-hmm. And, and so even that for God element becomes a distraction. And well, well, it, it certainly introduces an earning aspect and yep. a transitional aspect to God. That's right. Which uh, can, can be limiting. And it creates anxiety. I mean, I know a lot of folks who I think, and I think you do too, who would admit that some of their spiritual journey has had more anxiety in it and weariness in it than joy and mm. contentment and a lack of anxiety, right? Like, you know, like, and I think a lot of that at times is due to us forgetting that he leads us in the paths of righteousness, yeah. right? Like he, he, he doesn't, it's we don't go and find those paths we're never going to wander off from Jesus and find the right living that God has made for us we're never going to do that right and you know and i think that's what so if we can really rest in that which i think is the heartbeat of this um think about how attractive and and again it's not just about quote unquote converting or winning someone it is about, though, like Jesus said, helping people have an abundant life in Christ mm-hmm. with Jesus. And, you know, so think about how meaningful and attractive and engaging it would be to the people that you work with, you live by, even your own family, if you appeared to be someone who could lay down in green pastures. Think about mm-hmm. if you appeared to be someone who didn't struggle all the time with those anxieties. And we're going to have different tragedies and things that come in our lives Mm -hmm. that create. But I'm talking about, like you just gave in those definitions, the conflicting elements that we have in ourselves and, you know, the things in our minds that distract us because of what we're longing for that maybe God isn't longing for us. And, and, you know, just processing that and being able to to rest, to know that he leads us, to know that we're with him, to know that we're in green pastures and how meaningful that would be to someone else who's crying out for it, crying out for that kind of peace. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I told somebody the other day, we were talking about Sabbath, the culture, we've said this before on this, our culture is longing for Sabbath and in a lot of ways figuring it out better than the church. Right. I mean, so we've got to show what a life with the shepherd yeah. And a life that can lie down in green pastures looks like. Yeah, so it destroys our everyday disciple making because we lose that security of being with Him. That's right, uh, and and it and it takes us to a place of 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 earning of a lack of focus and a, really just aiming at the wrong targets, I guess. I agree. So even when you achieve them, they're not life giving. Yeah, <laughs> not life giving and abundant things. All right, so that's so that's what is doing to limit our everyday disciple making then how do we be equipped to overcome that in everyday disciple making? <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the the one basic takeaway I would challenge, not only just for the everyday follower who who longs to to tackle anxiety, can you say that? I mean, I I think in some ways... wrestle with maybe. Yeah, in some ways you, you end up learning how to dance with it, yeah. right? You know, I mean, because I don't know that anxiety ever stops. I mean, I think... I think 
I think we cannot be anxious for anything. Yeah. But even that from Paul uh, mm-hmm. is almost like a, hey, just keep reminding yourself of yeah. this, right? It's not the controlling factor in yeah. our life. Yeah, you're not going to all of a sudden put a lasso on anxiety and never have it again, right? So, you know, it's this constant reminder. So as you dance with anxiety, whatever that dance looks like, let it be a dance with Jesus. Make it at least a trio, right, with Jesus. But as you dance with that, um, I think if you're an everyday follower and you're dancing with it, or you're an equipper, somebody that's a leader with a church family trying to equip the everyday follower for this, either way, I would say that one takeaway is don't miss the simple foundational truth that is you have been invited into an abundant life with Jesus. Equip people to think in those terms. Equip equip. Remind yourself as an everyday follower and equippers, equip the people that you have the privilege to serve and lead, equip them to think constantly in terms of, I, 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 this is a with Jesus mission and purpose and life that I've been given. This is not a, not a, I've got these six tasks to do for my, you know, to serve or, I've, you know, it's, and we busy ourselves with so many things, we typically miss that and and so I guess to make that more practical in the everyday, I would just say this, um, you know, think of ways to remind yourself when you feel anxious. Yeah. You know, what are some simple things you can do? And, and I'm not trying to make it into something road or routine, but it could be a, there's a verse that always reminds you yeah. that you don't have to be anxious yeah, and you carry it with you and you carry it with you. Memorize you put it, it on your mirror. You mirror, mem- memorize it. You yeah. place it in your car yeah. in a place that Use you the see word. all the time. Yeah. It's almost like how in the old Testament they would put scripture on their hands and, and head. Yeah. You know, it, it, I don't think that was for any other reason than to remind and on your doorpost and on the post yeah. of your gate and That's everywhere exactly else. Right. I mean, so constant reminder. It's a constant. Reminder. I would also say, assuming it's not the thing that gives you anxiety, but join a group. Yeah. As you as you're doing the kingdom life with other people, it's going to be more natural to do it with God. And they're going to be able to encourage and uplift you in those moments when when we can't get it done ourselves. And, and hey, get so into a biblical community just to support that. I, I mean, I'll give a funny example. Our Jen and my wife and I. Our first three years of marriage were really hard. We better understand now why. Um, that's a long story. Maybe that's another podcast. But but, um, but I'll never forget, because we were resolved to figure it out, and I'll never forget we, were, uh, we, had, we had made a transition in the where we lived and what I was doing. And we ended up with this church family, and we, we, we sought out a young married group just to, just to go and be a part of having mm-hmm. other couples yeah. and, and how they, we could all encourage one another. And obviously we were being mentored by some older couples and, um, and I'll never forget walking back out to the car. One of those particular days after we were with that group and my wife looked across the top of the car at me and said, as we were about to get in and made this statement, she said, we we aren't the only ones struggling. Mm-hmm. That's right. And as and you know, for me, that would that meant a lot to hear her say that. And and the reason was because it was within the context of that group that we realized we're not going to be sunk by this. We're not the, yeah. alone in this. We're not. You know, we. So it, even the group becomes a reminder. That's right. Right. Yeah, like, that's right. Even walking with each other becomes that's that great. constant reminder of. Yeah. 
you know, you, you're not alone in this and you don't have to face it alone. And yeah. not only that, you're not the only one who struggles with stuff. Yep. Right. And so understand that other people. You got it. So whatever it takes for you to constantly remind yourself that what the Lord wants for you is better than what you think you want for you and that the Lord has secured you. We have the evidence in the resurrection of Christ that we can trust in his security. Whatever it takes to remind yourself of that will keep you focused and diligent and fruitful in making disciples every day. It's good. Yeah. And, don't, you know, don't miss. I think I think that's that seems like we repeated this phrase a lot in the podcast today. The don't miss the green pastures. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I think that's, you know, that reminder helps you remember. Just lay down. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, man, we really enjoyed the conversation. Hopefully you did too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, send us whatever questions you have. P. Wilkinson at BrentwoodBaptist.com. Jay Dukes at BrentwoodBaptist.com. And uh, just know we pray for you as you make disciples every day. That's right. That's right.